announcements. Amen. Just reminding you of next Sunday, our uh, pastor's appreciation. Uh, please uh, be reminded of that and also immediately after service. Shouldn't take us any more than five minutes. Just a brief uh, meeting on our uh, home teams, or as I want to call it, life teams. Amen? So if you've got any kind of interest, it doesn't matter how small or how great it is, uh, please, immediately after service, just make your way to the front, and we're going to have a, a brief meeting because I feel this is something uh, God is leading us into uh, as pastor's heart and his vision, and I'm just here to facilitate that. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's go to God. Father, I am deeply grateful to you for your presence here this morning. We've sung songs, O oh God, to glorify and to honor you. We've played our instruments. We've worshipped you, God. And now we ask, Father God, that you may speak. We need to hear your voice. We need to know what is your heart and your mind. We needed God to be planted in the soils of our hearts. So now I present my heart to you. And I say, Father God, let the seed of your word be planted firmly. Let it germinate. Let it bring forth much fruit that you may be glorified. And for everyone here, God, let not a single heart be untouched. Oh, God, it is my request and my desire of you that you may speak by your spirit to every single person here, God. Make yourself known to us. Let us know, God, that when we leave here, we may leave here with the seed of your word that will grow. So I say, Holy Spirit, have your way, have your way, have your way, have your way. In the name of Jesus Christ, your son, we pray. And all God's people say amen. amen. And amen. Hallelujah. I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. Uh, our brother Victor, uh, our heart and prayers go out with you over the loss of, of your wife's uh, father. I remember it wasn't just but a few years ago uh, when I lost my dad, and, and to date, it is still uh, probably the most, uh, the saddest day of my life, uh, losing uh, the greatest example of a human being and a man and a father to me. I say that without any hesitation. He was the greatest example of a man of God, uh, such a powerful man, and uh, I'm so uh, deeply grateful for him. So I know what it feels like uh, uh, to lose uh, someone so close. Amen? I want to share with you what I know God has laid on my heart. Uh, for the past couple of weeks, I, I've been kind of, since I preached the last time, a couple of Sundays ago, I started preparing for today. Uh, but up until last night, uh, the Holy Spirit, I, I, I told my wife I woke up this morning, I felt like he was nudging me in a different direction. Uh, Sunday before last, I started, I, I spoke on faith versus fear. And I know many of you were not here. And as I woke up this morning, the Spirit of God, well, last night he began to share with me, I want you to continue along that line. And right then and there he began giving me new information on this. Uh, because it is such a powerful thing. And it affects the body of Christ in such a wide scheme. Amen? So I wanted to continue along that line. And if you were to give it a, a, a topic, uh, today's our title would be Faith versus Fear Part 2 the deposit faith fear faith versus fear part two the deposit a quick rehash uh for so many of you who were not here the last time it's very important that you understand where i'm going from we see the first mention of fear in the bible when adam and eve sinned 
And the Bible says uh, they hid from God when God says, where are you? They said, God, we heard your voice and we were afraid. See the first mention of the word fear mentioned in the Bible. We see here man with his creator, God, he created us. And we see here the created, the apple of his eyes, the one whom he loved so much, said to him, we hid ourselves because we were afraid. As we uh, uh, continue throughout the Bible, uh, we see so many instances of fear. And I, I, I gave uh, the church a definition which the Holy Spirit gave to me. As I was studying uh, a couple of weeks back, he says, uh, uh, fear is this. He says, uh, fear opens the door to the enemy. I want you to understand this. This is what the Spirit of God gave me. He said, fear opens the door to the enemy because it disacknowledges God's ability to perform his word and his, it disacknowledges who you are in Christ, who I am in Christ. And the definition of fear, Webster. Fear, a feeling induced by perceived danger or threat that occurs in certain types of organisms which, cause, which causes a change in the metabolic and organ functions and ultimately a change in the behavior, such as fleeing, hiding, freezing, from perceived traumatic events. Amen? So we see what the definition of fear, fleeing, and as we see the first mention of fear, Adam and Eve wanted to do what? Hide. Amen? It's very important that we understand that. And then we looked at David. When he first approached uh, Goliath, everybody has the entire army, including his brothers and the king, Everybody, when they mentioned Goliath, the whole situation, everybody was cowering in fear. The entire army of Israel. David arrived on the scene, and unlike everybody else who was looking at the giant, the first verse out of David's mouth was, who is this uncircumcised rascal coming against the army of God? His speech completely different than everybody else's. Amen? Not only did he say that, he says, he told the king, he says, God delivered me when I was looking at my father's sheep. A bear came, a lion came, and I defeated both of them, right? He mentioned it right off the bat. So we see here, not only how he behaved, but how he spoke was completely different. And I need you to understand that. Fearful people speak and act different than people who are not afraid. And I want to let you know that God has created us to not live in fear. And I'm going to prove it. Now, let's recap. We looked at the life of Job, a mighty man. If you looked at all the powerful things God said about Job at the beginning, how he feared God and Eschewest evil, meaning he, he pushed away evil and all the great things. But there's a little part in the Bible that probably 99% of the Christian population didn't fail to realize. Later on in the scripture, Job said, the thing that I feared the most has come upon me. 
showing that because of his fear, it led to certain things happening in his life. On top of that, in the early verses, the Bible says Job, every day when he prayed, when his kids got together, he says Job was afraid. What was his fear? He says, I'm going to offer sacrifices just in case my kids messed up. And the Bible says Job said this continually. So not only was he afraid, but he verbalized that fear over and over and over again. So then we see the enemy had lots of ammunition to use. You say, well, this dude is afraid of this. And how did he attack him first? Everything he was verbalizing about his fear, guess what? That's what the enemy went after. See, oftentimes as Christians, we see things happen in our lives. And many times we have a tendency to accuse God. Or sometimes you're just wondering, God, why is this happening in my life? Why is such and such? Why? We say things like, oh my God, every single time. You know, I, n nothing ever goes right with me. We say things like that even in our leisure time. Somebody asks you to borrow a dollar. Man, you know, I don't ever have no money. I'm broke off. You, we keep speaking things in the atmosphere. And then later on, when... Everything comes falling down. We want it. God, I'm your child. Why is this happening? God says, you've been speaking it. You have put this into motion. Now, last thing I mentioned, that we are supposed to be the authoritative force on earth. Do you agree? The Bible clearly shows that God says, look, I'm tagging you. You're it. All that I have, you're it. Here on earth, right? So if we're supposed to be it, the representations of who God is, then why are we fearful? Why do we live in defeat? Now, let us jump right in for today. I hope that was a, a brief recap to bring you up to speed for the, you, those who were not there. A verse I did not give which I ended on last, uh, the last time, is uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. The Greek word uh, for sound mind is sophronismo. It means the, the discipline that is self-control. He's given us the power, the spirit of the power of love, of power and of the mind that says we are supposed to be in control. Self-control. You know the biggest part, oftentimes there's so many people who wants to be in control of situations. We want to be in control of our homes, our families, for many of us in our relationship, we want to control everything. And God says, you know the biggest problem you can always have is the control of yourself. The moment you realize that as Christians, God hasn't called us to control people, but to control yourself, you're going to come into such victory in your life. Stop worrying what people do. Stop worrying about it. Don't try to control them. You control yourself and watch what God does in your life. Amen? Amen? So, first reading, I want us to look at Matthew chapter 25. We're going to jump right in there. Matthew 
chapter 25, starting at verse 14. Now, I like to tie things together. Remember several, several Sundays ago I spoke about the kingdom, right? Now watch how this starts off. The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Pause there for a second. It says he delivered unto them. That word delivered is important. In case you hadn't figured out by now, I enjoy Bible study. Right? Because it shows you what is actually happening and it goes past the esoterical, what's just on the surface. Right? So it says he delivered. That word delivered, it means to surrender. That is yield up, entrust, transmit, to give over unto one power or use to manage. So he said he was going away and he delivered. He gave up his stuff. He says, I'm going away, but I am leaving all that is mine. I'm entrusting it to you for your use, for you to manage it. All right? Let's read on. And unto one he gave five talents, another two, and another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. I want you to underline that word there, according to several ability. Now, as I was reading this, I got up again uh, uh, this morning really early, reading over some more. And the Holy Spirit dropped something in my heart that I didn't kind of overlooked before. He says right there, such a simple word. And he gave to every man according to his several ability. Now that's very powerful right there. Right? Now keep in mind, this is all a parable. Jesus taught a lot through parables. So the parable of this in that word is that each one of us, God has given us things according to our abilities. One of the worst things you could ever do is to look at someone and envy or desire what God is doing in and through their life. What they got is based on their ability. You need to worry about what God has given you based on your ability. Now, if you're sitting there, you think, well, God, sometimes I didn't see a fear. This person might be, seem like have all the abilities and I don't. I want to show you that it's not so. When he says give them according to their ability, it is some God-given traits, talents, gifts that we were born with. Now, speaking of, I got to jump right back to this. I told the folks last week that I was reading a research on fear. And this says, you know, it only shows that as human beings, you are only born with two fears. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. And the loud noises part is more like a startling. Most times if someone will tell you, look, there's going to be a loud boom, you're not afraid of it. You prepare yourself. All right, I'm prepared for this. Just more of a startle. So when you really look at it closely, it comes down to just one fear, the fear of falling. And I guess that's the life preserving since God didn't create us to fly. You know, it's like, you better stay put before you die, right? So one fear that has been clinically proven that we all have. Now you think about the number of fears that we live with every day. 
fear of, of dying, uh, fear of disease, fear of uh, uh, rejection. I was just reading a list of fear. Fear of communication, fear of this, fear of that, fear every fear. When it's only shown, we were born with one. Here's something else. So last week I had a dental appointment. So I'm sitting in there, and my dentist, he's a believer also. And every time he goes, I go there, he's talking about the Lord. I didn't tell him I spoke, didn't tell him I preached, none of that. And he just throws out random things at me. He said, Dex, random question for you. What is the most used phrase in the entire Bible? I'm like, oh, I don't know. And think back, I'm like, I don't know. And he says to me, fear not. This was last week at my dental appointment, not knowing what I had preached on. And I was like, you wouldn't believe it. I just preached on that. I wish you had told me that uh, before. So we see there the most used phrase in the whole Bible, fear not. You think it's a big deal now? It is a huge deal. So big of an issue that it's mentioned over and over and over again. From the New Testament, to the, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, over and over we see God constantly saying, look, fear not. Before the children of Israel left, he says, fear not. While they were in the wilderness, fear not. While they were leaving Egypt, fear not. All throughout the Bible, fear not, fear not. Over and over, you think God was trying to tell us something? You bet. Now, let's read on. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them of the five talents. Continue. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. Continue. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee rule over many things. Keep in mind what's happening here, folks. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Continue. He also that received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee faithful. I will make thee rule over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. All right. Getting good. Then he which had received the one, that fellow, came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. Now pause there for a second. I've read this through many times before. And my initial question to this was, well, God, if this is supposed to be an analogy, a parable, it says you were a hard man. I mean, it says you reaped where you didn't sow, gathered where you didn't straw. These are the questions that were going through my mind. Like, it don't seem fair. You know, if someone came to me and said, Dex, I like to collect money where I haven't invested. <laughs> I like to eat food that I didn't cook. I'm like, okay, so I'm glad you like that, but you need to go someplace else. You can't get none of mine, right? So these are the questions that raised through my mind. But then the Holy Spirit began to speak. He says, now, 
He didn't do, he don't like to do it, I, I reap or, or sow where, or reap where he didn't sow. Why? Because the people who he left it with, he gave them all of his resources. Now, if I was, if I were worth a billion dollars, and I'm leaving, and I said to Brother Herbie, I'm giving you one million, my, my entire worth. I'm leaving with you. I'm going to be gone for a couple of years. I want you to manage it. Take, however, I am now making you the sole person of my estate. Now, whatever he does with it, whether he plants it, eats, or sows, or whatever, it all what? Belonged to me initially, right? So I can come back later on and say, Herbie, I'm hungry. No, I didn't cook any food, but I want some food, right? I could say, you know what? I, I feel like buying a Bentley this afternoon. Make it happen. Why? Because I left him with a billion dollars. And I did say, I am leaving you in full control of it. So then, this kind of puts things in perspective, right? Let's read on. He says, thou had not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talents in the earth. Lo, there thou hast it. And he says, now you gave me this, I'm giving it right back to you. That's an, uh, something else also. I thought to myself, well, God, you got back exactly what you gave him. But he didn't really, <laughs> he didn't really want exactly what I gave. If that were the case, I didn't need to give it to you. If I wanted to invest what I had, if I wanted to grow my estate, my wealth, if I didn't want to do that, I didn't have to give it to anybody. I just put it in the bank, and when I come back, it'll be right there waiting on me. But he entrusted them because he wanted to see something happen with that. Hallelujah. Now, let us, what verse is that? Let's read on. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strawed. Continue. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. That word there, put my money to the exchangers. Exchangers mean bankers or brokers. One who exchanges money for, for a fee, and they pay an interest on the Deposit. Bankers or brokers, one who exchanges money for a fee but pays interest on the deposit. That's what his master said. You should have taken my money to these folks. Meaning, whatever I've given to you, you should have taken somewhere where this deposit that I've placed in you should have been grown. And he said, not only that, and he said, and then at my coming, I should have received my own with usury or my own with interest. Amen? With interest. Now, I said something early about the abilities. Here's another scripture I've preached and spoken on faith many times, but you know that scripture, and I didn't give her this, but you, you, you could look at this later on. In Romans 12, 
3, Paul says, God has given to us the measure of faith. That scripture has been misinterpreted many times. People say God has given to each one of us a measure. Not a, the measure. Meaning what? All of us has got the same measure of faith at the beginning. But it is our responsibility as Christians to invest and grow that faith. You may be wondering, God, why don't I have faith like this one to see this and this one happen? Why? Because you hadn't figured out how to invest the deposit that God has placed in your life. Many times, many of us, like these guys, instead of figuring how we could develop what God has given to us, we are worried about God. Why did you give him three or four and you gave me only two? Or the one fellow, why did I only get one, God? You know, one of the most powerful things about faith, God received, he said, faith is like a mustard seed. Now, that's another verse that many people have misinterpreted so many times. I've heard countless preachers says, God says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. No, he didn't. The Bible never says faith the size of a mustard seed. He says faith as. In another verse, Jesus says, consider the mustard seed, though it may be the smallest of seeds. He says when planted, it brings forth and grows into this big thing where the birds could build in it. Why? God has given to each one of us a measure of faith. Not only that, he's given to you specific talents that are only for you. And he says, when you understand who I've made you, whatever that small thing is, once it's planted in the earth, planted in me and allowed to die, he says, I have created greatness inside of you. Stop focusing on the size of the mustard seed and look at the potential inside of that mustard seed. You wonder about great men like Smith Wigglesworth or this one or how they've seen all this. Guess what? You've got the same potential. Why? Because God is the same God. And he loves you exactly the same way. So we see here the master coming back. Now, something else to consider. Back then... When great men went on trips, he said he went to a far country. Most of the time, it wasn't just about vacationing, you know? They, they, they traveled by, whether it's by camels or horses or caravans or, or, or ships or boats, it took a long time. Most times, men of great wealth like that, when they traveled that far, it was a specific reason. Most times, it was either for some kind of commercial investment, something that grew their estate, make them wealthier. Hence, benefiting the same people or the servants, because if you were a part of his household, if he became wealthier, you became wealthier. Right? So we see here, uh, God expects us to develop that deposit, that measure of faith, the things God has given to you. You know something else? Your gift... Should I say this? I was at the gym the other day and I was listening to someone. 
And I heard him say something that I remember the Spirit of God kind of showed me a while back about certain things and the value people placed on it. The outcome of the gift God has placed in your life is going to be determined by the value of the deposit he's placed in you and how you use it. I'm going to say it again. The outcome of the deposit in your life, and when I say deposit, I'm encompassing all of it. Your gifts, your talents, whatever it is. Many of you sit back and you say, God, I don't have no kind of talents. I don't have no kind of gift. And I promise you, if you sit back and look closer or allow the Spirit of God to show you things, it would be astounding what God could do. Here's something else for you who may be over the age of 20. Faith and the power of God has no respect for time. Some, I need you to get this in your spirit. Amen. God has called us, listen, faith works outside of time. For example, if I said to you, I want you to build me a, a, a big cathedral seating 100,000 members. That's going to involve certain set times and you got to go to the planning zone. God says in miracles, he could do it outside of time. Amen. And we have got to understand what he's called us to. So, how you use those gifts, how you invest those gifts are going to determine the outcome. I was reading somehow, no, I was on YouTube, and they had something popped up because, you know, if you start looking up certain things, other things they start feeding you. I was looking at preachers and ministers, and something popped up about Smith Wigglesworth, I think is her great, his great granddaughter. This was years ago. She was speaking, and she talked about being a missionary in Africa. And she had contracted malaria, and she was dying. She was shivering and fevering and all this kind of stuff. And way in Africa, somehow they were able to get her a TV, and she saw, she was looking at the 700 Club. And Pat Robinson at that time says, there's somebody out there right now. I feel you shivering and shaking with fever, and whatever's going through, God says you're healed. She received it in her spirit. Immediately she jumped up. I know I'm healed. I feel it. God did it. She received it. She was healed. That's not the greater miracle. Here's the miracle. Later on, she found out that the broadcast she was looking at was taped over a year ago. <laughs> Tell me God doesn't operate outside of time. Amen. He has. Listen, praise God. We are so fearful of so many things. Time being one of it. Oh, God, I'm, I'm 40, I'm 50, I'm 65, I'm 70. God, I can't. Really? Moses started his ministry, what, around 70 years old? And look what he did. Let's continue. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten. Oh, wow. For unto every one that hath, he shall be given. And he that have abundance, but from him that hath, that hath not, shall be taken away even that which he hath. 
and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. And we see there is going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's amazing that Jesus used the word unprofitable servant. Now, we've been speaking over and over about the things we gain from the kingdom of God, but don't you understand? God has got a vested interest too. Don't you know you're supposed to be profitable to the kingdom of God? How is that for a theory for you? It kind of takes away the mentality of every time we hear God, it's always God, gimme, 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 I want and want. You know, there's a scripture that says, a man's gift, make it room for him and bring him before kings. I've looked at that. There's two ways you can look at that scripture. One is the gift you bring, right? Bring gifts. But there's another part of that also. How about the gift that is given to you, your giftedness? That God says, listen, I have deposited all of this inside of you, and I just didn't do it just to be doing it. I expect your life to be profitable. And I'm not just talking about money in case you didn't understand. There is so much more that God wants to do that you will never be able to put a price on. Listen, folks, I can tell you about the goodness of God that would just absolutely blow your mind. I shared some of the testimony the last time. How God wants, I feel every time I see the Holy Spirit, I see the Holy Spirit is like this, uh, the most powerful being, like having a pit bull times 20, always chomping at the bits, let me go. I want to be what you want me to be. I want to be protector. I want to be the empowerer. I want to be the enforcer in your life. I want you to stand up so I could show you how much I've got your back. He has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love. Now, rewind back a couple more. We looked at the difference of every time we see the word power being used in the Bible, it either means one of two things, either power, dunamis, or exousia or exousia, authority. I began to think about this. The difference between power and authority, right? You cannot have authority unless you have the power to back it up. God has told us, he says, look, I've given you the authority. Why? Because I've got the power to back it up. God, he says, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of whose might? His might, right? So God expects us to be profitable. The life of Peter, and you could write this scripture down. Peter, in uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 26 uh, through 36. I'm not even going to read that one this morning. But if you look at the life of Peter, the Bible says they were all afraid in the Bible when Jesus started walking towards them. They thought it was a ghost. Everybody was afraid. Jesus told Peter, come on out. It's me, buddy. Come on. Peter jumps out the boat, right? <laughs> High dive. Oh, he's dipped right out. He starts walking on the sea. You know, he's just, hallelujah, having a good old time. Waves beating around. The Bible says Peter took his eyes off Jesus, looked at the wave, and he began to be afraid. Doing fine. 
He was just high, you know, high skipping on the water, you know, river dancing. All of a sudden, he looks at the water and begins to fear. I'm going to say this now, folks. You need to hear what I'm getting ready to say. Many of you are on the precipice of greatness. You know what that means? You are right there. Right there. You feel it? God is calling you every time you come to church. Every time a difficult situation arises, yet you feel it. Like the Holy Spirit said, come on, step on out. Move. Go. The Holy Spirit is bumping you. Over. Oh, 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 hold on now, Holy Spirit. Remember I told you guys about the movie Indiana Jones and that scene when there was the glass bridge? He couldn't see it. And he was like, he was reciting the little uh, 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 script. And he's like, I don't know. it. And, and somehow we was telling him, you're supposed to step across this cave. Or this big old crevice, this cliff. And he kept, I don't know. But finally he said, you know what? And he began saying the prayers of the words and he stepped out. And then he, I think somebody grabbed some sand and threw it and then you could see it landed on the clear bridge. That is the way I think many of us are. We're at that point. And the Spirit of God is saying, you know what? I'm asking you to step out. But we are fearful. And many of us, here's the other part that's tragic. There's many of you, if you look back at different times of your life, you've gotten to a point where you say, you know, I'm going to have faith. And things have started to get happen, or things have started happening. And then you get out there and you're like, wait a second, I'm doing this? Oh, Lord. And then you start looking at the waves and all of a sudden. Why? Because faith robs you of the potential God has given to you. Faith and fear cannot, cannot operate at the same time. It's like light and darkness. If I turn the lights out, on, it becomes bright. Immediately I turn it off, it gets dark. You can't have, you know, you ever walk into a room and they have a light and in the, in the midst of the light there's a little dark spot glowing? You'd be like, wait a second, it's kind of spooky, right? No, they, they, they can't exist. It's the same thing with your faith. You've got to get to that point where we're, I, I think it's a Bishop Oyedipo calls it violent faith. You have got to come to the point where you say, God, you know what? I will take your word and I will not let it go for whatever the reason. Amen? Yes. Now, last set of reason, reading quickly and we, we're going to bring it in. I want to look at Ephesians chapter 4. Starting at verse 11 through 16. Quick verse, or quick verses. And we're going to call it a day. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the church. That word there, perfecting, the perfecting of the, of the saints means complete. Wanting nothing necessary for completeness. God never created anybody to be walking around broken. He wants you to be complete. Complete. All right. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of what? Of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto what? The measure of the stature, stature of the fullness of Christ. Let's pause there for a second. 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Who is supposed to be our measuring rod? It's right there. Okay, maybe you didn't understand the question. So uh, I'm going to repeat it again. Based on what we just read, it says there, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Who are we supposed to measure ourselves against and by? Christ. Something great is about to happen in your life. You're facing a situation where you're wondering, I wonder if I'll ever be able to do this. Who are you supposed to be looking at? Sickness is coming to your body, and I mean you can put whatever name you want on it. And you visit the doctor, and he tells you you've got this, such, 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 and you've got three days and three minutes to live. Who are you supposed to put yourself against? Yeah, not, you know, uh, uh, Lisa had this same thing last year, and she only lived for two days. Bob, on the other hand, last month, they told him he had stage eight. And he lasted but two days, and he was gone. And Mike, the week before, no, no, that's not who we look at. What does Christ says? We are supposed to measure ourselves by the fullness of the stature of Christ. Jesus says, that can't touch me. And we measure ourselves by that. God hasn't called us to live in fear. Folks, it is a disgrace to the kingdom of God for you to walk around in your job just as scared and faithful as, and fearful as everybody else. I shared my testimony with you guys about the storm last week or a couple of weeks ago. When my wife and I, I've got tall pine trees, I've got cedars, I've got all kinds of stuff both beside my house. I've got woods on both sides. I've got no neighbors. When I heard about the storm, I could have said, well, you know what? And I, I, I'm not knocking any, according to your faith, be it unto you. You've. But my wife and I, we began to pray. And I spoke to every tree on both sides. I said, in the name of Jesus, not one of you will fall. Not a single tree. I will experience no property damage, not in any of my cars, nothing. You will stand. And I mean, you come to my house, I've got woods tall up in the air. After the storm, not a single tree fell. Nothing. No damages to my house. And this is not the first time, it's not the second time, every single storm. Why? Because I've gotten to a point in my life where I have a passion to be who God says I am. You understand? You've got to develop that passion in your life. How this passion comes? Begin to pray. Pray constantly. Begin to confess the word of God over your life. Every time you fear fearful of something, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. God has not given me the spirit of fear. I am different. The things that attack other people are not permitted to overcome me. Things that overcome other people are not permitted to overcome me. Why? Because I'm built differently. Amen? And you hold it, folks. Now, I could preach up here until I'm gray in the face, blue, but it will never work for you until you hold on to that for yourself and you grasp it and you never let it go. Father, 
I want to give you praise and thanks this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father God, for your word. We know that you have deposited in every single one of us gifts, talents. And on top of that, you've given each of us a deposit of faith. Faith that we are called to grow and to exercise and to see it become greater in our lives. We give you praise. We give you thanks. We give you glory. I ask that you will now move in and through our lives. The word that was spoken this morning, every single person here, let it begin to germinate in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I keep going back to the beginning. This morning I was praying, you know what God told me? He says, you want to know the deposit I've made in many of you? What was mine? He says, I have all power. That deposit, I deposited in mankind for this earth. He says, I am going back, and Jesus said the same thing, I'm going back to my father's to prepare a place, but I am leaving you all of my power. He says, I am making you the authoritative factor, and I'm giving you what is mine. I am God. And he says, I'm going back, and I'm giving you all of my authority and power on this earth. My question to you is, what in the world are you doing with that deposit? Are you going to be like the one and present it back? God, you give me all this power and authority. And praise God, I'm bringing it back to you. Or you're getting ready to be a Smith Wigglesworth, a Spurgeon, a whoever, a Billy Graham, a whoever. But are you going to go turn this place right side up for God? Or are you going to continue to sit there and say, God, well, I'm just making it to next Sunday. Go out there. Put some demons on the run, folks. Go ahead and make it. Start when you get out of here this afternoon. Look for situations. Now, that, that's another scripture. When the Bible says they went seeking, you've got to stop being on the defense by the devil. Go after him now. Amen? Whatever you got for me today, Satan, I'm coming after you. Amen? Put him to flight. Let him run from you in fear. Because God has called us to that. Come on and stand with me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This morning, I'm only going to make one on to call. And that is for this. If you do not know Christ, that's it. If you're here today and you do not know this God we're talking about, this God that I'm just absolutely head over heels in love with, I'm going to open the altar to you.